What's up? This is PJ Broom, the host of the Half Your Problem podcast, and we are back. In this episode, we go to Evansville, Indiana at Nice Guy Submission Fighting, uh, and I'm going to interview Bobby Emmons and then David Overfield. So, with Bobby, I interviewed him in a bar, which is probably the best place in the world to interview Bobby. That's where you can find him most if it's not on the mats at Nice Guys. Um, but I interviewed him. He just talks about how he found jiu-jitsu, some of his younger life. Like, he played semi-pro football, ran college, uh, ran track in college, stuff like that. We just discussed that kind of stuff and some of their athletes. And then I talked to David. David, we talk about a lot of the same stuff. Uh, just, you know, a few of their ass- athletes, Jesse, Zane Havner, his brother Andrew, Nate Manis, some of these guys, we talk about them. And just what they're doing day to day to have the success they're having. I get David's opinions on a lot of different things. Uh, I love what they're doing up there. I don't envy it. I love my job at Scramble Virginia Jiu-Jitsu and Wrestling. I love the people I train with. I love the fact that I get to train with really good athletes, but also the day-to-day people. Uh, but I wanted to know what they thought about you know all that and how they like to do it. So it's a pretty cool interview. At the end of it, I talked to Randy Roden, a blue belt that trains with us. He wrestled Division One at Duke. And I talked to him just about his experience. He went with me. He trained with these guys. He's trained at a very high level before. Uh, and I just got his thoughts on the day-to-day at Nice Guy Submission Fighting. We trained there three days. It was a very long weekend. I'm not sure if we drank more beer or did more jiu-jitsu rounds. But also, this is a very explicit episode. So if you got kids around, maybe you pause it uh, and listen to it later. But I hope you enjoy. Give me some criticism, and look forward to the next episode very, very soon, within the next couple days, I hope. But I appreciate you listening, and enjoy the episode. What are y'all, uh, so now you got all these young guys coming up, and they're, you know, the cool thing about, like, Jacob and Zane and a lot of these guys, they're kind of similar size. Like, they're not exact same size. Yeah. But, like... Um, are y'all doing anything like special with them, or are you just throwing them right in there with the brown belts and the, oh, yeah. and the per- and just everybody rolls with everybody. Yeah, and pretty much every day. The new guys, new guys always roll with everybody. I mean, yeah. we don't put them with other new guys just because neither one of them are going to be worth a fuck when you let two guys that don't know what they're doing roll with each Probably other. Just wasting each other's time a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, especially when you don't have a room like yours, where like to be honest with you, every time we walk on the mat, like there are some experienced grapplers, like several of them. You know, um, so when you got that, you can split the new guys up and give them to the more experienced guys. They learn a lot more. Like, you know, new Zane. I'm calling him I because he's Zane with an I. But he, uh, like, he feels great yeah. for nine months. Like, he yeah. feels incredible. He's in there every day grinding. Yeah. At least twice a day. Like, he, he really impressed. And like, and he and he wrestled a little bit. I heard him talking about how he wrestled some and stuff. But even like. With she made some extra fries if anybody's interested. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, he feels, uh, he impressed me for sure. Yeah, he's a grinder. Yeah. He was fat as fuck when he started too. <laughs> I love fat this story. That's a, that's a, you should use a, him. I'm going to show you a picture of him. See, this needs to be a, this, this needs to be a Facebook ad. Yeah. Oh, dude. This, he was this fat is what we can do for you. Also, we might ruin your life. But Let's see. He started training in... December of 2021. So I'm going to show you a picture of him on his Facebook from October. How fat this fucker was. <laughs> Two months before he started training. I shit you not. Oh my god. <laughs> that looks like he ate Zane. Yeah. That is October 26, 2021. How old is he? You know how old he is? 
I think 25, 26. Yeah, it seemed like mid-20s. Jesus. You know who that looks like? It's Jacob Art. You ever seen Fat Jacob? No. Oh, dude. I didn't know he was ever fat. I hope Jacob hears this podcast because, dude, yeah, he was fatter than mud. <laughs> yep. He shit out a few kids. Mm. Got fat. I bet he weighed, you know, he's scrawny. Jacob's scrawny. Yeah. And, uh, like me. But I bet he weighed. Scrawnier. Is he scrawnier than me? Scrawnier. Oh, I'm glad that you said that. Jacob, Randy just said he's, you're scrawnier than me. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, he was like 185, probably. Like, one, he was every bit at 180. But, he's fat as mud. You would love Jacob, Bobby. We got to get him up there. But he moved to Savannah. I've been going down to Savannah and training some too. Um, at, I can't remember the name of the school. It's it's either Gracie Jiu Jitsu Savannah or Savannah Gracie Jiu Jitsu. We actually something. we have like a Pedro Sowers. Yeah, so we have a guy. It's a fucked up story. Small world. We have a guy that comes up a couple times a year. His family's from Evansville. He won state back in the '80s in wrestling. He's a phenomenal wrestler. He wrestled for Modern Day Evansville Modern Day. Yeah. He trains at that gym down there. That's a good gym. James, and I can't say James' last name. I can't figure out how to say it. Finadizo or something. He's the head coach there. Um, but, yeah, they got, like, dude, if you see their classes, they got, like, 60 people in the mat every night. Like, it's weird. Man, I need to ask. Uh, yeah. It's you a guy, uh, Big oh, Chad knows. I'm going to ask Chad his name. Yeah, he's a couple years older he's than like me. He's like a brown belt? There's no, I think he's like a blue belt. Oh, a blue belt. He just started a couple years ago, but he comes and trains at Nice Guy when he comes back to see his family and stuff. They're good, man. man. Jacob name? moved down there. He, they gave him his, they gave Jacob his purple belt, um, and Jacob's actually got a fight coming up. You know that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Jacob's signed a, a fight, first amateur fight, in about a month. Um, my high school didn't even have wrestling, but I only yeah. had like 50 kids in my grade. Oh, so. okay. Small school. Yeah, we didn't have football. I actually played football because my dad signed a waiver so I could play in Jasper, which is like 20 miles down the road. Yeah, Yeah, I could play. I was 17, he signed a waiver so I could play like semi-pro football. Nice. How was that? Tell me your experiences with that. It was fun. It was fun. I actually, I was just a fast white kid. So I ended up playing uh, in the Arena League for a while until I got cut. What was that Um, like? Okay, so I went to an Arena League game, and that was a freaking blast for me. And I was like a 10-year-old kid. Yeah. but what was it like? Like, what, you know, were, was your intentions to win the games, or was it to put on a I, show? I, I never or? got. It was to win the games, which I never <laughs> got to play in an actual regular oh, okay. season game because I got cut in the preseason. Oh, I got you. I got you. Uh, but I was on like the uh, the preseason team. It was kind of funny because uh, it was for the Louisville Fire. Okay. And our quarterback, uh, his name was Matt Pike. He was Drew Brees' backup at Purdue. Oh, wow. And the coach rode the shit out of him. Like, every time he'd fuck up, on him? he was just like, you, you're fresh. I don't see what the problem is. You never saw the field at Purdue. I mean, he was brutal oh on him. Brutal. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Bobby I went to this uh, – I was running track in college at the time. I was a sprinter. And I went to this uh, combine for the Arena League. And they did like – Just for the hell of it or – like, yeah, just because I was I was still playing semi-pro football for this outdoor team, uh-huh. I was like, "Fuck it, I'll go try," and I ran like a four three forty. Holy crap! And they made me run it again because they didn't believe that was my time. Are you serious? I swear to God, yeah. That yeah. is the fun. They're like, thing. Uh, "We're gonna need you to run that again." I'm like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, like, we clocked you at like four three one." He's like, "I think we messed up the time." And I was like, "No, nah, it's about right." Just <laughs> and so I ran again and ran like four three flat. 
Jesus, so, I got so a couple. Cool. I got a couple calls from a couple of teams, and went down to Louisville, tried out, and played with them for a little bit on the practice squad. When you're a five ten white kid, running a four three, but then you got like you know these like six four guys that are just as fast. Yeah. They did give me a chance to play some defense, which I'd never played in my life. Oh yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I couldn't guard a fucking heavy bag. <laughs> I, I could run and catch on offense because I knew the route. Yeah. But if I was playing defense, dude, it was terrible. I'd bite on everything. I was oh, I was yeah. the worst cornerback of all That's time. That's the thing is everybody watches like especially in the NFL. Okay. Like, you watch Julio Jones. Okay, that guy is a freaking racehorse. Like incredible athlete. And the, but the guy covering him is six inches shorter, or maybe not that much, three inches shorter, 40 pounds less, and he has to react yeah. to everything Julio's doing. Yeah. So everyone's impressed by the wide receivers, which is it, it's impressive yeah. um, what Julio's doing, or those guys. But they know where the ball's going. Yes. It, it was such a it's switch because I had never done it before. But everything was, you do as a quarterback so is reactionary. I was so bad at it. <laughs> Possibly the worst defensive football player of all time. <laughs> How'd you... Uh, How'd you find jujitsu? Oh, you told me this yesterday. Yeah. Tell me that again. You found jujitsu because a buddy, more or less. Yeah, he wanted to try out for some local MMA reality show they were doing. It was kind of like a, kind of like an Ultimate Fighter thing, where they picked so many people, and they were on like a show that aired on Fox TV or whatever, and you won fights as the season went on to win your weight class or whatever. Yeah. So. But I didn't even know what the fuck MMA was. I'd never watched UFC. I had no idea what jiu-jitsu was. I knew what boxing was, but I'd never done it. And my high school didn't have wrestling, so I'd never wrestled. Um, so I went to this tryout thing, which is mostly just conditioning and seeing if they could break you. Uh, I was an athlete, so I made it through all that, made it on the show, and ended up winning my weight class um, for 155 for hook and shoot. And that, that was the reality show, was Hook and Shoot? Uh, it was called uh, Fight School. Fight School, but yeah. Hook and Shoot Run. Hook and Shoot Ran. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yep. So, That's hilarious. Yeah. But and it, and it wasn't because you had trained or anything, it was just you were more athletic than the other guys? Or? Um, once I trained, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so you really started getting into it? I started training all I could and going to like the pro classes and stuff. So the yeah. I was like one of the only amateurs that would stay and spar with the pros and get the shit beat out of me. I mean, the shit beat out of me every day. Um, <laughs> and they, I think they just respected it that I would come get my ass kicked and come back the next day and everybody else would leave when it was sparring time. Yeah. But then when I was fighting as an amateur, these other guys that were hardly, you know, not training against super hard people, it was kind of easy. I mean, after you get your ass kicked by good guys, the yeah, shitty like guys feel a lot easier. No kidding. So the first time I actually went to an actual class that like wasn't part of the show at, the, at Big Bully, the coach for that day had just come back from Florida. He was a pro MMA fighter, and I've told this story so many times, but it was my second day training ever. And his first day back from Florida, so he had no idea who I was, that I was new or anything. We get there, and it's like me, him, and two other guys. It's afternoon class. And he's like, everybody just glove up. We're going to MMA spar today. So I proceeded. But he didn't know that you, this is literally your, like, second, second day. My first day was the tryout. Oh, my God. So I get the shit kicked out of me. And I had to work that night. I mean, I probably broke my nose because my, both my eyes were black the next day. I'm bleeding. So after, like, three or four rounds of just getting the shit kicked out of me, he's like, so how long have you been training? 
And I said, what's my second day? He said, why the fuck didn't you say anything? <laughs> I was like, I thought that's what this was. Dude, I had no idea. Like, you just, this is a normal day. Yeah, I was like, well, this is going to suck. <laughs> this shit happens you, every day. Was your buddy there for that? No. He wasn't? No, he only, he lived an hour away, so he only came down for the, the show on the weekends. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. And he lasted like a few months and quit. Like most people. So when did you decide you were going to make a change from like MMA into competition jiu-jitsu? Was it like a very just like organic thing that you didn't really make a decision? It just, it just kind of happened, yeah. yeah. I was training at Big Bully from 2009 to 2012, which was a strictly MMA gym. Our coach was a white belt, old, you know, MMA fighter, super tough, super great motivator, but we didn't have a belting system, and it was sparring every day. Sparring yeah. every day. Two days Jesus striking, Christ. two days grappling with punches, and then MMA on the weekends. Wow. So I started training at Nice Guy in 2012, and that was really the first time I'd ever rolled without punches. Was that because Big Bully quit like and more natural? No. Uh, did you want mustard for your burger or just ketchup? The guy who originally mustard. owned okay. Nice Guy, Warren Brooks, yep. there was a fight school season three reality show. And he and I were guest coaches on it, but oh, on the okay. same team. So we kind of became really good friends and oh, okay. trained a lot together. And he was like, hey, why don't, why don't you come down and try jiu-jitsu down here? He's like, you know, you're, you're really good attacking off your back and stuff. He's like, I'd like to see uh, what you can do grappling-wise. So oh. started training with him. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't get hit doing this shit. So, <laughs> so much nicer. Yeah. Warren's cool. Warren yeah. has shown me... When, on that seminar, I mean, it's been two years now almost, but on the seminar where I came and he taught, it was like, this is the most mind-blowing shit. Yeah. Like, some of the most odd leg locks I have ever yeah. seen. Warren and, shit, Warren and Joe Bays, they started training in the late 90s. I mean, they were so far ahead of the curve, it was stupid. So they, they were the reason I even started doing leg locks. Um, Back then, it was almost kind of a cheat code, as bad as that sounds. I was beating guys at blue, purple, and brown that I probably never had any business grappling with other than my leg locks. Yeah. So once I got decent at those, it was like, oh, this is kind of a cheat code. Everybody mm -hmm. else sucks at them, which now it's changed. You know, everybody's got Jesus. the now defense, the offense. Now. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, become it's a like, long way. It's like a, a half guard play. Like yeah. it, it's part of it. That's pretty cool. Warren and Joe, Jesus Christ, that's a, two really good guys to get in, starting grappling with, yeah. for God's sakes. I've never, no, I've never got to meet Joe, um, but I've got to meet the Warren once. But and, went, and was Dave training with him that whole time, too? Dave actually started training at Nice Guy a couple months after I did. Once I was mm -hmm. going down there for a while, I was like, man, come down here and train with me. Um, Big Bully was getting ready to close down, so we were needing a place to train anyway. So we just started training there. And then 2015, we ended up taking it over. Yeah, that's awesome. I had a good freaking mushroom, bro. They were also talking about the fights. Um, Andrew and... Zane, yeah are fighting in Evansville. And that's the first, he was telling me that's the first time they've had an event in Evansville in a long time. Yeah, uh, Hook and Shoot used to be here. They were here for fucking ever. Um, Hook and Shoot? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot about them. They were just a local event, more or less? Uh, yeah, original, uh, originally they were a local event, but they were like, I think like 
obviously Pancrase, but they were part of like the Shudo. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Jeff was, uh, he used to be an announcer like, uh, for yeah. UFC Osborne. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's like the old announcer for UFC like back in the like teens and 20s before Rogan was there. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he ran it, and he was like one of the first in the, first in the United States, I think, to have women's. Um, That's what they were telling me, to have a women's fight. Yeah. Yeah, they were like the first ones to do it. They were, uh, eight, they were telling me that there was an eight-man bracket, or eight-woman bracket, and uh, somebody beat Misha Tate. That might not have been that same event. But no, no, it was actually uh, Caitlin Young. Caitlin Young. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she beat Misha Tate. I think that was Misha's, like, first or second uh, MMA fight yeah. ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she turned up. Yeah, that's so funny how much, like, MMA history was right here. They were telling me all about it. Yeah. Sean being an ADCC rep and UFC rep. I didn't ever even realize that, man. Yeah, I mean, it, Sean's funny because he doesn't really talk about it. And, I, like, not very long ago, I was just, like, you know, go home and, you know, get fucked up and then laying in bed. And just, like, I like watching, like, old fights and old yeah. jiu-jitsu stuff. And uh, I've been on a kick of watching, like, uh, here lately, I've been on a kick of like watching Lomachenko fight, and I, I don't know, he's so fast. Yeah. You gotta watch it like quarter speed. So yep. just getting fucked up and like watching, watching them fight at quarter speed. But I was watching uh, like Eddie Bravo versus Hoyler one, and I'm like, holy fuck, is that Brock Mole? And then sure as shit, it's Brock Mole sitting on the side of the mat. And so I texted him. I was like, dude, you were at that? And he's like, oh yeah, that was a long time ago. I'm like, that's like, no, that's like the, the crown jewel. I know. Of life. Yeah. And the thing is, they were, Bobby was telling me that, uh, at, like, at that time, I don't know if it's still this way, but at ADCC, they took a match off, they went a match on, took a match off. So I'm a big Leo Vera fan. Yeah. And Leo Vera fought a match either before or after that, right after that. Uh, so, like, that means he was out there fucking refing for Leo Vera. Yeah. One of the, the cool, like, one of my favorite competitors ever. But I don't know, that's just, it's just such a small world. There's so much here. Yeah. Um, they were telling me about how Riley... Aaron Riley, yeah. Yeah, started uh, fighting, and they were him, and I can't remember the other guy's name. He was fighting. Scott Hensey? Maybe that was it. Probably. We were pretty drunk when they were telling me all this. <laughs> but uh, how they would come up in the uh, in the gar- in their garage training together, and then... Yeah, Scott Hensey then, yeah. Then it's so funny. It's yeah. Just, it's so funny how different it was. I know, I mean... It's crazy how it's just evolved over the last even 20 years. What do you think I mean, that is? Well, how did that, is entertainment value or? Yeah, I mean, the athletes now especially are a lot better than they were. I mean, I'm fucking not an athlete at all, you know. Yeah. But, um, so I'd be, I'd be terrible now compared to the guys. <laughs> oh, my fighting. God. So, like, I look at, I thought I was really good when I was a blue belt. Yeah. Like, you know, how kids are. I was a 19-year-old kid. Um, but when I got my blue belt, like, I was like, man, I'm going to be fucking good at this. But now I look at blue belts now, and they would eat my fucking lunch. Oh, Jesse. Jesse does. Dude, blue belts now would have absolutely... I mean, blue belts now would give me a freaking hard time. Like, it's just so much more efficient, it seems like. There was so much shit that people were experimenting 10 there's, years ago, you know what I mean? But there's now so much it's like, more knowledge now out there. There's so much easier way to get the knowledge. Like, um, I think I started training like 2005. And there was really only a few people around here. You know, there was a, a legit black belt in Evansville at that time. Uh, you know, there were guys training. Hook and shoot was already, you know, kind of rolling then. A lot of guys fighting. Um, you know, but still, 
the how deep the pool was was very very small. Yeah. So it's like that now you come into a small gym and you know you get 25 guys that are solid. Um, you know, you go to a big gym, you got 100 people on the mat. Yeah, so. yeah. That's the other thing is, it's more like it's more competitive because there's more gyms, so it yeah. forces like your product to be better. So instead of just coming in and beating the shit out of the new guys, you know what I mean? Which to be honest with you, y'all do a pretty good still doing that. Like if they survive the first three or four months, y'all are like, well, it looks like we've got him now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially like here. Um, you know, we're such a small gym that if if we don't like somebody, we're going to weed them out pretty fast. If they're yeah. just an asshole or a douche, you know, we're going to weed them out just being rough with them. But then also, when we're rough with somebody, you know, not rough, we're not trying to break them off. But right. there's a difference between flowing and just how you put pressure on somebody. Yes, your intention. Yes. Like, you're, if you have intentions to, to break somebody mentally, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, and whenever, whenever we really grind on somebody... In here, and they keep coming back. You know, example Zane when he was new. You know, we grind on him, put his knee on, we put our knee on his face, and, you know, just kind of rough him up. Not really even trying to submit him, just roughing him up. And yeah. then at the rounds over, like, come on, do it again, do it again. When, when we get somebody like that, it's just like, oh man, well, even like something that situation, they earn your respect. Absolutely, like, they get out here and they earn that shit. How, so, how did you find it? Like, what made you get into this kind of stuff? It's honestly it's extremely stupid. Uh, so I actually went to NASCAR Tech, um, uh, UTI, University Technical Institute, went to NASCAR Tech, and you know, everybody's broke as fuck in school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we weren't basketball players, none of us were basketball players, but we had a basketball court um, that was kind of like caged area, and the Ultimate Fighter had just came out. Oh, yeah. So we went and got some boxing gloves, and a big group of us, you know, we'd go, we'd, we'd punch around, you know, and we were terrible, absolutely terrible. I was just like tougher than everybody else. Yeah. Not that I was any good, I was terrible. And then uh, kind of a... Uh, Chad, you have a good... Yes, sir. Tell your wife I said, hey. Yes, sir. It's nice to, it's nice to see you again. Uh, so I was just tougher than everybody else. So then I came back and then went to a hook and shoot. I was like, oh man, I'd like to try that. So I found out there was a, you know, a couple of local fighters on the card and they were training in Evansville. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go check it out when I moved back from Charlotte. I found out where they're training, just kind of met up with them, and you know I was kind of the same way, rough around the edges, and yeah. they're you know kind of, you know, at the time I didn't really think anything about it. I just thought this is what it is, and then later on they're like, oh man, like you know, we we're kind of rough on you at first, and you just kind of kept coming back, you know, like, man, fuck this guy. So you know they just kept trying to rough me up a little bit. And I was like, oh man, this is fun, and then. You know, a couple months of that, they all just kind of like, oh, you know, That's now cool. we like you. Now we're going to, you know, really teach you some stuff and, yeah, you know, help you out. To you. Yeah. That's so, so cool. Well, and now it's kind of the same way with us. We rough people up a little bit, make sure that they're, they're, they want to be here. Well, they yeah, don't want to be here. Well, it happens a lot yeah. because people say they want to do this, as particularly when, like, y'all have striking and mm-hmm. MMA and stuff. So I can only imagine the amount of goofballs you have to come in here and say, I'm going to be a UFC champ. Because, listen, we're only a jiu-jitsu program at Scramble, and we have it. Yeah. Much less if we were like had, you know, Nate Manis in our gym. Yeah. Walk in like I want to spar with that guy. It's like, <laughs> trust me, homie. You don't want to. Uh, let's start with kids class. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if this right or wrong or whatever, you know, I'm sure people it might hear this and be like, oh man, that guy's. But when people are like that and they come in and they want to spar, I'm always like, you know. Especially I don't really spar anymore. I've got no reason to. Aaron Riley is really kind of the one talking to me. 
like what's the what's the point like you're not yeah. gonna fight you don't need to be taking shots to the head for absolutely no yeah, you reason you got the so. rest of your life to yeah. do this yeah so um, but you know still when new guys come in um, our fighters that we have coming up I'm like this is the day you work on body shock and leg kicks <laughs> you're not trying to knock them out because you're not really trying to cause them but when, when, when people come in and they get kicked in the legs really hard a bunch of times they get hit or get dropped to the body you know, it's, that's much more fun than knocking somebody out that comes in and says they want to fight, and then you have to see in their eyes that do you really want to? Right. Like you, you weren't expecting well, to be kick, kick, kicked in the legs like this, and it hurt like that. Right. So. And see, and then that happens, and like, particular, I've I've never been like knocked out cold sparring, but I've been dropped with body shots, yeah. and I've been battered around my legs so much where I had to just stop. Like I can't. Like yeah. either I could like stand here and just let you chop me down, or I could just throw in the towel, and that was the yeah. only options. And for the first longest time, you can really see like who's gonna stand there and let you chop them down. Like they actually want to fight. Yeah. Or the guys that are like, you know what? Maybe I don't actually want to do this. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna interview you too, baby. Don't yeah. worry. Uh, you know, if they come back after that and they keep coming back, they're like, all right, this guy wants to be here. Let's work with them a little bit. But you know, every gym, you know, every every MMA gym around, every jiu-jitsu gym. You get so many messages and people come in, say they want to fight. I just, you know, just this other day we had a, you know, 19-year-old kid come in like, I'm going to be ready to fight in six months to nine months. I'm like, not out of here, you're not. Right. Like, you can find a fight, but I'm not going to corner you. Nobody from here is going to corner you. Like, if you find a fight, it's on I your own. I name on your Yeah, chest. absolutely. Yeah. Well, because, like, that's a big thing. It's like people think they can just, it's an individual sport. And it, the thing is, especially fighting, because it's such a high level now, but... Um, it's like you cannot do it by yourself. No. It's not rocky. Like you don't get to no. move in the middle of the wilderness and train with one old dude yeah. and it work out. Like you need a team around you, like investing into you. Absolutely. Um, and you know, there. I don't want to talk shit about other gyms, but I am. I'm not, I won't mention their names because they right. know who they are. But there's other gyms that are putting people in fights. You know, MMA fights that have no experience fighting at all they have no jiu-jitsu experience no kickboxing experience you know online it says they train with the shaolin monks and then they're putting people in the cage fighting and they've yet to have anybody train with them that has a win but you're putting you know as a coach you're putting your fighters out there that's their lives like if somebody comes here to train and i say they're ready to fight and they go in there and you know get killed in the cage that's you know you know that's on me yeah. Um, unfortunately, it would be very hard to sleep at night, especially if that person has a family. Like right. if that person had kids, a wife, and it's you know, irresponsible. They, absolutely, and like you don't need that on you. I mean, there's so many good, legit gyms out there, and I, it's not the fighters that are fighting out at gym because they're all amateurs and they're all brand new. They don't know any, they don't better. Know any better. They they expect this coach to be, you know, say who he is and what he is, and it's it's sad that. There are people out that are still doing that. I can't believe that people still what call is it? for that what, shit. Like, is it that they're taking advantage and trying to get their gym's name out there? Or are they ignorant to the fact that this person isn't ready? Or what is it? Uh, it's just, I mean, the coach has no experience. And then they think that, and I'm sure this guy is a great fitness coach. And, again, it's trained with the Shaolin monks. You know, and there's, there's multiple gyms like that that are just, you know, old school. When I say old yeah, school, yeah. I mean, like, watered down traditional martial arts yes. like yeah like it, you're just taking advantage of people that don't know yeah you know, until they go into a real gym and find out what the differences are yeah so. yeah i uh 
I don't know. That's what's so cool about coming up here. Like, I come from a very, like, my goals and my intentions. Oh, my goodness. There's a naked man in this room. <laughs> um, my goals and my intentions are from a very, like, jujitsu standpoint, like, grappling-oriented. You know what I mean? And we have guys that talk about wanting to fight and stuff. But it's super cool to come up here and see how y'all, like, integrate all of it together. And the MMA guys, quote-unquote MMA guys, are training with the jujitsu guys. You know? Yeah. And, and y'all, what's the other cool thing... You, I might get you to talk about this some, is y'all are a small gym, so if Jesse's getting ready for something, y'all pour a lot of tension into him and make time for him specifically, and I've yeah. noticed that, or Andrew and his fight, like y'all make a lot of, y'all have the time on the schedule to make it about him, which is super cool. Do you feel like that's a big part of y'all's success and why you have such a high concentration of competitors here? I really feel like that the reason that we have more success um, it's really just everybody gets it kind of along that same fact, but everybody here gets along so well with each other. Like on a personal, uh, yeah. outside of here. Yeah, um, you're not going to come in here and train if you don't get along with everybody. Pretty much when you come in here, you're like, all right, you're cool. We're going to hang out after this, hang out outside of here, or you're not, and you're probably not going to be training here that long. Just, you know, I'm not saying that's always true with everybody, but especially if you're a real... No, yeah, real nobody competitor. likes fucking Andrew, and he just keeps showing uh, Yeah, it's true. He fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think it's because we are so small and we're so tight together that when somebody does have something coming up, we all we do care more because we're all so close. Yeah. Um, so we really pour it on that person because, you know, said we just you're care invested. more. Yeah. You're very invested into their success. Yeah. That's one thing. Even, like, I get to come up here, and I try to make a priority to come here, like, once or twice a year. But even like me, like I've been up here probably six times, maybe seven times, and like I'm invested in whether or not Zane wins that fight. Yeah. Like in a like seriously, like, I'm sitting there watching it, and I get stoked up when he wins. You know what I mean? Like, and that's somebody that isn't here every day. Yeah. Uh, and I can say we're pretty comparable to that. But it's I have been part of gyms and programs that are not that way. It's way more like an academy. Yeah. Where you come to be instructed, and that's it. But this is way more of a team. Yeah. Which is badass. We, uh, me, Bobby, Jesse, Jason, we all say that, you know, if we didn't like being here, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. You know, so if, if, if we're not having fun, we're not going to yeah. be here. And the only way we're going to have fun is if we're around people that we want to be around. Yeah. So if, you know, I know that's not, a, that's why we're terrible business people, because we're not just here to have people in the gym to have numbers. We only want people in here that we care about. And again, that's a terrible business plan, because we should have more people in here than we do. But Well... We, we have the same issues, and, you know, we toe the line a lot, yeah. too, where it's like, is what we're doing good for business? Probably not. Is yeah. it good for Matthew? Fuck yeah, it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. because Matthew is, you know, it's yeah. like him and Zane are kind of in the same boat where they have goals, Yeah. you know, and they, they say these goals, and they work for these goals, and we're cheating them by not doing that. Is it good for 45-year-old guy with three kids and a mortgage? Probably not. Yeah. But... You know, you got to toe that line of businessman and yeah. competition team. Yeah, absolutely. And as a gym owner, I feel like you either have to go one direction or yeah. the other. You cannot have a, you know, there are gyms out there that have the money backing that can do that. Yeah. Um, where it's just a total fighter's gym. But most of the time, fighters don't have money. I've never really met anybody that was a fighter or 
Yeah, that, very, very few people. Yeah, that gets out of college at Clemson and says, you know what I want to do? Yeah. I want to get fucking punched in the face for a living. Yeah. You know, like, no, like, if, they, if you have other options, <laughs> yeah. generally like, you go. Oh, I, got, I have this career making $150,000 a year. Let me go in this gym, you know, and train my ass off. You know, and then go to this job, well-paying job. Nobody really does that. So everybody comes in that's a legit fighter. Yeah. You know, usually doesn't have any money. So yeah, you're making deals with them to pay their dues. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Just clean the mats every day or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, you're the man, Andrew. Or, or you have to be a you know a family fitness center that is catering to those people. Yeah, it's awesome. You get those type of numbers and you get the money. And you know, as a business, you know, I love to do this full time and as a business but you know we all have other jobs outside of here you know to make you know this happen you yeah. know the gym kind of does its own thing you know kind of helps us pay for our travels you know because we do travel a lot you know for, do travel a yeah lot. yeah so um it helps with that but as far as actually paying our bills it does not do that right so. yeah it's definitely a, a priorities thing yeah and where you know where your priorities fall well, that's always cool. And maybe as I get old, maybe as we get older, you know, it'll turn into more of, you know, let's make some money with this. We've built our name. Yeah. And but right now, I I I can't come in here. I I don't like teaching a cardio kickboxing class or a basic uh, jiu-jitsu class yeah. anyway. I definitely don't want to be coming in here, and it's my job, something that I already don't like. I much rather have it come in here and, and have guys like Zane and Andrew and Cole, and Cole you know, guys that are in here to fucking bust their That's ass. That's one thing. There's a lot of different types of coaches out there, and some fall more under instructor, some fall under more like life coach even, and yeah. there's, you know, personal trainers. Well, the thing with you, like, I noticed that you thoroughly enjoy the one-on-one -on -one work. Yeah. Like, if you could do that all, all day, every day, like, one-on-one -on -one work with motivated people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I've yeah, I hate one-on-one -on -one work people with, you know, and it, I'm just throwing this out there, is it like a soccer mom or, yeah. you know, a soccer dad, somebody that's just here, you know, to lose a little bit of weight that's not really into it. You yeah. know, I like the guys that go home and watch, you know, yeah. old jiu-jitsu yeah. videos, you know, or any jiu-jitsu That are aggravating you to get back in here. Yeah, like, hey, hey, uh, so-and-so hit this at this point in the match. You know, what do you think about that? Well, let's go over it. Let's take a look yeah. at it. Let's break it down. That's a lot more fun yeah. than... You've kind of been that way since I met you. I've only known you since the COVID year, 2020. But Bob, what's so cool about this that for me is with Bobby, he's kind of started to make this switch where, like, when I first came, Bobby was very much about winning competitions now. Yeah. You know, and it was his, he's older and shit. Yeah. And he, he, I think he knew he had a, clicking top, a, a, a ticking clock. But and he's still that way, and he's still extremely competitive on a national oh, yeah. level, um, especially when you put him in there with somebody that has like bones like him. That's you know rickets and shit. <laughs> yeah. or if he falls down, he breaks a hip. Yeah. But he's still very competitive. Um, but I also see him investing into guys like Cole and Zane and these guys that like doing a little bit. His lean is his spectrum is lean is slid towards coaching a little bit more, which is pretty cool to see too. Yeah, and time you know time is a motherfucker, unfortunately. Um, you know, he's in his 40s now, and he's still a fucking athlete. I know. You know, I mean, people don't realize how good of an athlete he is until, you know, they roll with him or train with him. Um, the other thing about him is you don't realize how good of an athlete he is until you get in this room and train with the guys he's training with. Yeah. And the fact that he's 41 
yeah. putting the rounds in with these assholes. Yeah. Because they eat, they wad me up and throw me to Canada, bro. Like, and he is smaller than 90% of them. Yeah. You know? Which is terrifying that Bobby Emmons is the, one of the smallest guys in an establishment. We've got a bigger room now. Our, our room has gotten a lot thicker lately. Yeah, so. like, as of 2020, I came the first time, especially, like, with the addition of Cole and shit, and Zane's yeah. grown. The first time I came, Zane was, like, walking around, like, 175, 180. You know, he's real fat. Yeah. That, which is my favorite version of Zane. <laughs> and then it was like a Pokemon where he evolved to the next level, and he yeah. lost 40 pounds. Yeah. But now he's putting a little bit of man weight on and getting bigger again. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It, it's a big room, big guys. Yeah, um, you know, it, I know Bobby's going through this, and I, I feel like that I probably went this through through this a few years ago. I am younger than him. Everybody thinks he's my little brother, but <laughs> I'm younger than him. Uh, but there, there is, you know, a, a sadness of going from competing to m- more of a full coach. Yeah. Um, there is a sadness and realization. And again, that that a lot of times that you know was whenever I'd go home and get fucked up at night. Hey, love you, baby. Good luck. Hey, I'll be back up soon. Good luck in this fight. Dude, you should be. I know. We don't have shit going on. We'll go to Atlanta. We'll go to Whitewater or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair, too. Uh, and I, I do. I think uh, Bobby's kind of going through that now. He still loves competing. Um, he's still in that. He just, he's a guy that's always going to be in the gym working out yeah. because he just loves working out. He loves training. Um but he is really transitioning to a very good coach now as well. Yeah. Um, you know, him working with Cole every day, Cole's really yeah. progressing very well. Cole is. Yeah. I'm, when I met Cole, he wasn't actually training with y'all full time yet. Um, mm. We just happened to be here on the same weekend. Yeah. And he wasn't, Cole wasn't capable of playful rolling. <laughs> and, like, he wasn't, it just wasn't a gear he had. Yeah. And I think playful rolling is a, is the indication of like real understanding of what's happening. You know Absolutely, what I mean? yeah. And he was not saying that he wasn't good when he came because he was, but he was all gas. Yeah. And you know, he outweighed me about 60 pounds. I was thinking, this guy is fucking dangerous. Like, I don't <laughs> want to roll with him anymore. But now I got to roll with him today, and it's like, he still roughs me up, but it's in a way where it's like a, a playful, like, you know, chess. Yeah. You know, instead of picking up the chair and hitting me in the head with it. You know what I mean? He's, man, he's got some real potential. And uh, he, I me, think so too. Dude. Me and, uh, you know, he just. He beat, uh, you know, uh, Dob. You know, he's silver medal at ACC. And yeah. He, he stepped away for a bit. You know, I think he went to law school. And, you know, wasn't trained as much. But Cole did beat him at trials. I mean, so he has a win over a legit silver medal at yeah. ADCC. So, you know, he's obviously very tough. Um, you know, Cole being down here full-time now, me and Jesse, uh, we were talking about this the other day. Cole, I think what we're working on with him isn't necessarily always now his technical ability but it's his confidence in himself yeah 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 um that's one thing that he has confidence in himself but not to the level that he, he doesn't know what should. he's capable he of. doesn't um he's like a like a, a a puppy that just hit their growth spurt yeah you know what i mean like they don't realize how big they are and how strong they are yeah. and how capable they are yeah um, i noticed that about him too he's uh he's got so much potential he's a good solid wrestler um yeah you know he's lost some points matches uh here and there to some you know some some good, good guys, very high man. level guys and so you know him being here full time now training every day with jesse you know doing privates every oh day with God. bobby he's he's gonna be a monster bro so. jesse is like a force of nature the eighth wonder of the world like king kong ain't got <laughs> shit on jesse like i'm convinced he that dude the first time i met him 
He was like, you can start on anything you want. <laughs> like, anything you want. Do you want me to start like in a, in a full Nelson with you <laughs> leg scissoring my head? Like I'll start wherever you want and I'll tap you within 17 seconds. And it was like fucking freakish. Bobby and Jesse are two guys that, um, you know, we go to other gyms a lot, you know, because we travel yeah, a lot, teach a lot of seminars. Uh, you know, we're always, even if we go out of town, we usually train somewhere. And people always tell us, oh, this person's really strong, that person's really strong. You know, Bobby's a smaller guy, um, Jesse's our bigger guy. But when somebody talks about somebody, how strong they are, those are the two guys I'm always relating them to. And I've never been like, man, this person's... Right. It, it's, I'm so used to... And it's weird, we don't have any, like, incredibly powerful lifters Like explosive in here. or not. They're not, like, um, crazy like that. But I don't... I feel like we have extremely, like, just naturally farm strong guys it in here. It feels like when you're rolling with them and they want to grow roots in the ground, they can't. Yeah. And it's like, why, why can I not move him? Yeah. Um, Jesse is one of those guys, when people tell me, you know, how strong somebody is, I'm like, well, yeah, he's, he's, he's strong. Yeah, but we have a Kodiak bear <laughs> yeah. that we train with, so, um, like. And then when somebody tells me how, you know. Yeah, a smaller guy, always strong. I'm like, well, he's not that. Like, yeah. Bobby is extremely Bobby. strong. Bobby extremely can turn your bones to powder. Yeah. Like, and that was the first thing. I had picked up a bunch of things from Bobby, and a lot of them have been in the rolls. Yeah. Um, he does that little thing where he's in butter half, and he gets his knee deep and yep. tips you. Mm-hmm. And he goes to far pit, too. And it like, yeah. if he wanted to make a PJ-sized hole in that <laughs> sheetrock wall, when he did that, he could. It is yeah. That is one of the most powerful off balances I have ever felt training with anyone yeah and it's a simple little silly ass just boop and he's very good at it, the way he sets it up and he's very fast too even for being 41 yeah just, he is you know, his recognition like his windows that he needs to hit things are very small yeah yeah you wouldn't ex- and you know I can uh, appreciate that too because like I am smaller than most people but I feel like I, I'm pretty like when I get on something I'm pretty precise yeah and but even like him like he is so just like on target now not darts he sucks at darts <laughs> somehow he won the game of darts last night um but i have no idea how he did it but because he was he hit the board like a third of the time so darts isn't his thing but yeah i don't know i just love coming up here this is one of the only places i travel a lot too i try to yeah. i try to do this once a month and go somewhere uh, at least once a month and that's hard to do for me but um working the gym full-time and stuff but uh, yeah uh, I tried it once a month, but this is one of the only places that I've made like a mainstay where I, I love, make a priority to come twice a year. Yeah, we love having you guys up here, Randy, both. I mean. Yeah, we like the thing with us is like we'll take our lumps, and when I come up, I tell myself that I'm going to do every round. Like it's di- it's disrespectful to y'all for me to come up here and waste your time, is how I feel. And I know y'all don't feel that way. No, but, no. But like I'm not going to come up and drop six fucking hours and do three rounds on Friday. Like, yeah. I'm going to do every round and then an extra one. And, you know, it's people don't realize until you do it, and we always tell our guys this, too. It's like when people come up here, like, it's it's different. When you go to somebody else's gym and roll and you travel and you're not sleeping at your own place, it's already a harder training session just because of all yeah, those stress, factors. Yeah, you know, I'm not in my bed. I'm not in my People house. I'm not my, it, yeah. Like when you sleep in your own bed, it yeah. is a major advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when we go train other places, you know, it's like, especially as I get older, that's one thing me and Bobby do is like, 
and we're looking at hotels like what's the rating on the bed now because it's like oh, i don't want to get up my back because <laughs> you know when you go into another gym everybody's coming after you yeah well, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, i want to taste this guy yeah. i want to see what he's got in him yeah man. especially as you get in upper ranks if you know if you're a brown or black belt like oh he's a brown belt he's a black belt yeah. you know i'm a blue belt i'm going after him. even, even yeah. though i'm you know 200 pounds or, <laughs> you know i'm a college wrestler or a former college wrestler or whatever i'm going after this guy yeah like no i love it though yeah. like, it really helps me that's the one of the biggest reasons i do this is because in our gym we're a three-year-old gym yeah so in our gym randy is ultra experienced yeah because he's been doing it three years yeah uh but in other like y'all have you know eight brown belts or whatever it is yeah so i'm the one like we have three brown belts to train in our gym i'm the only one that gets to be there like all the time yeah it's very inexperienced so it's very easy for me to my head get this big and yeah around. but when i come up here it's like like you said everybody's gunning for you it yeah. feels like oh this is jujitsu again yeah you know? and you know it's fun when people are you know you getting those hard rounds with new yeah. people like it's always much more fun to roll with different people because especially as you get better you really see everybody's same game over and over and over again yeah. like there's a lot of guys i have the same role every single time yes. i roll with them i have a training partner and he competes a lot he's really good his name is jesus Co cruz um, and he is a stud. He's a very good athlete. He plays second at nationals for IBJJF, and he's really good. Uh, but we, like, I can literally script our role. We're we're fighting as hard as we can, but I can tell you, move for move, what will happen, and we'll end up in X guard 100% of the time. It all funnels to X guard. With it doesn't matter. He could start on my back, and somehow I end up in X in his X guard. So like you were saying, when you get up here and you. You grab different people it's a real treat really and it's yeah. something you owe yourself i feel like it's cross training is a major way to test does my shit really work yeah you know? and where are my holes and i i do and going back to kind of what i i think to help elevate our gym is every one of our black belts has a different style yes. like i don't roll like jesse rolls uh, me and Jesse probably roll similar than me and Bobby don't roll anything alike. Uh, me and Jason don't roll anything alike. Um, so we all have a different style of how we roll. So we get to see different games, you know. And when you have guys that are black belts that play different games, it does help, you know, everybody else in our gym get better. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's for sure. And then, like, y'all have so many people that come and cross-train yeah. that you're constantly getting different feels, yeah. you know? And that's what's cool. Y'all, like, Bobby calls it the armpit of America, <laughs> yeah. which is the funniest shit ever. Yeah. But, and kind of true. But, yeah. I don't know. It's pretty cool that how often y'all get cross-trainers, and you can tell that y'all's white belts feel a lot more jiu-jitsu than most white belts. Yeah. They get to feel a lot of different styles. It's really cool. Yeah. I, I really appreciate y'all having us. Uh, I was super hospitable and everything. And, I love you guys coming up. Yeah. Again, you guys are just like us. So, again, if we didn't like you, we wouldn't want to yeah. hang out with you. And, yeah. you know, it's more of a hang when you come up here. Yeah, oh, we're training, but it's a hang, yeah. you know, training yeah. session. I don't know. It's very competitive. Next time I come, I'm going to see if I drink more beers or have more rounds because <laughs> it is super close. Yeah. Like, it is a very tight race if I do more five-minute rounds or have more 12-ounce beers. I don't know what it is. But anyways, I appreciate you sitting me with a minute and just talking about it. That's important. People love this podcast, and they want to hear from people, uh, you know, like you and uh, Bobby and all these guys. But I'm sure we'll be back. Well, I want to come October 22nd. Zane and Andrew are having a fight here in Evansville. What, what yeah. is the organization? Do you remember? Oh, shit. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's their first show. Um, and Mark Slater if, and uh, Skylar Arno, if they're listening to this, they're going to be like, Kill me for not knowing this. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
both great guys. Now I'm trying to look it up really quickly. So uh, yeah, do your thing. I'll stall for a minute. Yeah. But they're both fighting. That'll be he's co he's defending his amateur title. Zane is right. Uh, no. So no. it's for different. Uh, Southern Indiana Combat Production is the name of the show. Oh, Southern Indiana Combat, Combat Production. Yeah. Okay. Um, no. So Zane is the 185 at B2. B at B2. So this is a different organization. Okay, okay. So. Um, but he's the, I guess they have different, B2 has a northern and southern. So, oh, um, conferences or whatever. Yeah, so hopefully after this one, if Brandon Higgins listened to, um, hopefully after this fight, uh, we can line something up and get Zane down there and fight for the, uh, you know, the, the other southern, one. southern 185 belt. You know, he's he's come along well, so. Um, we were, I was telling Bobby, we have a place, and they do MMA too, but they do jiu-jitsu events. Yeah. It's the NFC and all that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, but anyways, we ought to get y'all down one day, and we could like get a few of y'all on that event. Like yeah. they do, like it's kind of like a fight to win. Okay. And it's it's local and everything. But we can talk about that more. But um, okay, I got one more question before we go off because this is the one that everybody has to know. Okay. What the fuck is going on with your feet? <laughs> so. Okay, we are officially recording, so we, we can just okay. yeah, we can just talk at this point. All right. Um, all right. So we had Randy come for his second nice guy submission fighting experience and the first one wasn't quite fair because it was a nogi camp right yeah that's yeah. the only two times you've ever came yeah this is yeah this is my second time yeah, okay yeah. so um before we get into that there's plenty of people that probably listen to this that don't know who you are yet so i'll give is that true maybe maybe not <laughs> i mean unless they're into like japanese cartoons no. Or baggy pants, like MC Hammer pants. They probably don't know who you are. But uh, so I'll let you. You just explain yourself, introduce yourself. Uh, this I'm, is like middle school all over again. Good luck. Yeah, Randy Roden. Uh, currently training at Scramble Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Wrestling. Um, the wrestling coach there uh, wrestled all throughout high school and college, uh, Rome High, and then for five years at Duke. Um, and yeah, yeah, you're a blue belt. Yep. Um, well, also, every time you say your name, you do this, which all I did was throw my hands in the air. I don't know why he does that, but every time I've ever seen him say, I'm Randy Roden, he just throws <laughs> his hands in the air. But there's that. Um, so, yeah. So, Randy trains with us, been training with us like two and a half years? Yeah, two and a half. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. freaking quick, two and a half years. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, I started in February 2020. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, you've uh, come up here twice. And you've traveled a lot, like training at different places. Seasonal amount, I would say. Yeah, and especially yeah. like locally, yeah, like yeah, yeah. locally being within like three hours or less. Yeah. Uh, but this is a little bit farther. This is all the way out to like six-ish hour. We went all the way to Evansville, Indiana, to train with Nice Guy Submission Fighting, Bobby Emmons, David Overfield, Jezrae Childry, Childre, and and all these guys up here. And uh, uh, I've done it. Six several, or seven times. times. Yeah, six or seven times at this point. I've been doing it ever since I wanted to come back from my knee surgery, my ACL reconstruction. And But this is only your second time. Yeah. So let's compare the two differences, like the two right. experiences first. All right, let's do that. Okay, so the first time you went, explain what was going on then. Uh, it was Nogi camp, um, and they obviously had to split their attention amongst like everyone else who was participating in the camp. So... Instead of like actually getting a lot of time with the guys holding the event, you're really uh, drilling, training with uh, other people who traveled out to see them. So yeah. as opposed to this time, we were actually able to get a 
a, like a, a one-on-two private with Bobby. Yeah. Right. Yeah, a lot more uh, attention from the nice guy submission fighting dudes yeah. their self. The Nogi camp was super cool. It was. I learned a lot of, a lot of good stuff from Nogi Yeah, camp. and they do a great job. I think they've done one themselves, um, but they've also, the one we came to, we, we came to the one where they brought in Jim Allers. Jim is from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and is a black belt down there. He fought in the UFC. He fights for bare knuckle fighting now. And hopefully one day I can have Jim on the podcast. Uh, I think he would be really good. Yeah, Jim's a beast. Uh, yeah, he's competing in the EBI, combat jiu-jitsu. Um, he's a stud. And so we got to come up. All the Nogi camp really is is three days of training and over multiple sessions. Uh, they do four sessions over three days, and it's a, it's a pretty cool experience. And it's the price of a seminar, like a one-time, one-hour seminar or three-hour seminar or whatever. You get three training sessions, and it's really kind of – it's very similar to what you would expect from a wrestling camp. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, that was very different. And that was fun. Uh, lots of drinking and stuff then. Uh, hanging out afterwards and stuff. Eating food. But there's a lot of guys in town. Like, I think, how many people were on the mat then? Like, 25, 30? Yeah, I was going to say, like, more than 20, less than 30. Somewhere yeah, somewhere there. in the middle of those two. And it, it kind of changes. Some people had to leave. Some people coming in late. Stuff like that. But we were here all three days because we don't have a life. Um, but this time, we got here Friday afternoon and it's currently it's Sunday two o'clock Georgia time and we're le- we just left probably less than an hour ago uh, and way different experience right yeah for sure yeah probably equal amount of roles yeah but almost well, yeah exclusively with the nice guys yeah which is super cool yeah. uh, so explain to me what you see that they do that in your experience other gyms uh, aren't doing or maybe that you do similar or just kind of like shed some light on your experience over the past two or three days um yeah there's just a, a lot more a lot more rolling from my personal experiences most gyms put a bigger emphasis on the drilling and I've been to gyms where they maybe roll three times in that day but I don't think I'd I drilled in the geek class, Jason's geek out geek class. Yep, Jason Melton. Yep. Over the past three days, like I drilled maybe 40 minutes as opposed to on a, that would. Yeah, that's. Yeah, we would do that a night yeah. at Scramble. Like we would do that in a single class, and we have back to cl- back classes. It's just a different. I mean, more than because if you think of our, uh, our like our fundamentals in our advanced classes, it's not one class but in one session. Yeah. We go from 6:30 to usually like 8:8:10. Yeah. Just drilling. Just drilling. So. Yeah. Yeah, that is way different. Um, you One thing that I noticed, because of the size of the Nice Guy Submission Fighting Gym, and I talked with David about this uh, when I interview him, but they get a lot more private attention from their coaches and their higher ranks because, one, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Like, there's several black belts, four or five black belts that train there very consistently. They are probably like six to ten brown belts that they have on the mat pretty consistently and they don't have a whole lot of purple belts only i think the whole weekend they named like three purple belts they were able to come up with three purple belts that train pretty consistently um and then really to be honest with you not a lot of white and blue belts like there are they're there uh but i would say for sure 
I yeah, I would say yeah. they're less than twenty percent of the gym. Yeah. Which is inverted when you come to scramble. It's uh it's almost exclusive it's mostly blue belts. Yes, like <laughs> the, it's very, very rare that you get on a map with two or three people that are over the rank of brown belt. Yeah. Extremely rare. Like Jason and I will be in class and ev- like we'll have Marta or Steve or a few others snack visits and stuff but it's very rare that we have all three of us on the mat at the same time most of the time it's one or two black and brown belts are up and then a couple purple belts sometimes i mean it's rare that we have more than i would say on average two like two purple belts a day maybe right so the experience is just a lot higher up here um and you know and you feel it in their white belts yeah. You feel it in their white belts. The fact that the white belts don't get to roll with other white belts. Um, one thing I notice about that too, though, their confidence. Uh, the white belts are better than most white belts, but they don't know it. Like I, just in conversation, they're like, "Man, I just get I get murdered all the time." And it's like, "Well, yeah, like you're training with brown belts." all the time like so it's cool to see like our brown our white belts are our sporty white belts and they win white belt tournaments and stuff here's the thing it's not even that they're just training with brown belts like i mean you got a brown belt chances are you're you know you're poor than yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty good but they're training with freaking jesuit and they're training with yeah cold like, yeah like with, with, competition brown like, belts national comp- nationally competitive brown belts yeah and that's so, the one thing that you see and people sleep on uh in jiu-jitsu is that a white belt let's say a non-competitive white belt can feel very similar to a white belt that competes, right? And it doesn't really mean a whole lot. And then it, the, that gap gets a little wider at blue belt. Now, a blue belt that competes consistently and a blue belt that doesn't compete ever, that is a little bit different thing. Yeah. And you can start to tell a difference. Purple belts, brown belts, black belts, they're different animals. Like, and you know, in a, in a role, and I'm not talking about knowledge base or what they're capable of showing you or anything like that, their value to a gym or anything. But I'm talking in a role when you grab a a black belt or a brown belt or whatever that competes super consistently and trains consistently in a selfish way. Not to mean that any it's just you have to be there for yourself when you're competing. It's different, and yeah. these guys are training like that a lot. Uh, they have a bunch of people on the scene. Was there anything about your jiu-jitsu that you didn't know was a problem or was good that you came up here and you realized when you rolled with some of these guys? Uh, I don't know if I'm good. I realized that um, how, like, I rely on a lot of outside motion and just the size and, like, the just the sweatiness of the gym, yep. that becomes, like, right, you're limited in how much you can do right. very, very quickly. So I don't think it's a coincidence that they like pressure passing and they like butter half, like butterfly half guard, um, because those are, one, butterfly half guard nullifies pressure passing, but the only way to pass, like halfway through the training session there, the only way to pass is through pressure or like rolling over on Kimuras and neck attacks. Like standing to pass is impossible. And you, like you said, you rely on that a lot. So that was one of the things that maybe you, like, do you feel like you neglect yeah, other styles yeah, of passing? Absolutely. Um, I think I, the way I pass is, um, it's just too, like, 
tunnel vision. I just move, I just like to move. So now I definitely need to hunker down and work on my pressure passing because I yeah. get in a situation where I can't, like, I'm not going to pass. Right. It's, it's very hard to pass. Yeah. yeah, that's something that I notice every time I come to. And there's a lot of gyms like that. And we're pretty lucky at Scramble. We have mats that are designed for training barefooted. Um, and a lot of gyms don't. A lot of gyms have wrestling mats or tarped mats or whatever. Our Fuji mats are designed for jujitsu training. They're not striking mats or anything like that, so they're not too rough. Uh, but yeah, it is very different when I come up here for that reason. It gets very soupy, yeah. very fast. Even but even in our gym, when it gets sweaty and soupy like that, we still have some traction. Yeah, usually. Uh, even like after an hour and a half of rolling and training, it's super wet on the mat, but you still can standing past. Yeah, I'm not uh, slipping some. and sliding all over the place yeah. at, at our gym. That's yeah. Like, not, typically, I'm not, at least. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, what about, like, submission stuff? Like, do you feel like there are certain submissions that uh, work better on their style or that you see, that you get more opportunities at? Or are there are certain things that you thought that you would get more shots at and you just never even get to the position like is there anything like that that you noticed about the way because i noticed a bunch of things about the way real there isn't a person in that gym that doesn't play butter half guard no yeah no exactly and that right there shuts down a lot of different like i love a cross face underhook and yeah and it's just a very dangerous game to play when they have a that butterfly hook in you start going up and they just start trying to elevate elevating you, you. Yeah. yeah and uh so that was one thing i noticed but there was anything about like like i know that you like the pre- the the gi joe style passing yeah um, it's a, I'm, I'm not able to get it because the butterfly hook i, I don't have like a leg outside of my body yeah so it's, how about the scoop grip like i noticed you pass a lot with a scoop did you it, did you notice that if they played that butter half was that harder to play too yeah, or yeah. you just didn't get any as many looks at it i didn't really get any looks at the scoop yeah. and once they've gotten the butterfly hook in so yeah that's okay. something i need to look at when we get home everyone else like from top to bottom everyone is fairly savvy like on the legs yeah they're very uh foot pummel heavy yeah. Yeah. yeah i noticed that too how about, did you get to pass any, though? Did you ever get to the point where you were passing on anybody, and did you notice anything different about that? Um, I passed a couple times, but, like, no, nah, I didn't really notice. Yeah, I noticed a few things. Um, one, they escaped the same way. Mm-hmm. They all, like, just, like, when when I passed, and, you know, it's, I'm not, like, up here passing everybody's guard constantly. Yeah, yeah same. Like, no. um, but when I was passing, it was the same two or three passes and I was immediately passing to mount directly after that often and I'm not sure that that isn't the fact that they do MMA and they do sub only where mount isn't rewarded like mount is a very easily escaped position compared to a good solid side control with a cross face underhook and hips pinned Um, so I noticed when I was passing Oftentimes I was passing straight to the mount, and I love mount, and not that I wasn't having success with mount. But I have mixed feelings about mount. You have mixed feelings yeah, about mount. About yeah. Mount. Yeah. So uh, I have a new theory on mount, but I'm gonna wait a little while to come out with all that. But um, I think we talked about this. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did yeah. talked about the big debate on back or mount. Which one's better? Is you see it all the time, and 
uh, it's very decide like it's very uh, divisive where people are split right down the middle like there is no seeing eye to eye but I think I found a way for us to see eye to eye but we'll I'll do this a little bit more uh, case study on it before I before I start talking about it but yeah I noticed that that I was passing and very rarely was I, I I tell you the other thing though I didn't get on hardly anyone's back um, if I was tapping people I didn't get on a single back if I was tapping people I could tap people with leg locks um, because they were willing to dabble in them yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I could tap people from a front headlock because the front headlock is a very hard thing to do avoid yeah uh, I was just literally rolling over the top getting a chin strap and they do that a lot too I mean it's one of the few options you have yeah yeah when they're constantly trying to elevate your hips yeah. um, and it's a gamble when you do it yeah but the other th- I was tapping people from side control and mount um, but I was never I, I'm not sure the entire weekend uh, that's a lie I did a couple times now that I think about it but very very rarely did I get on anybody's back with a body triangle or hooks in Jason Melton, in particular, and me and Bobby were talking about this, is ridiculously hard to get a hook in on him. Mm. Like it is ridiculously hard. I didn't really see that a bunch because like, I don't. I generally just don't take them back a ton. Yeah, it's so not. not yeah. Really in my game a lot. So. Yeah, that was something I noticed too. Yeah, no, they're very sporty. They're all very fit. Yes. Yeah. Um, they all are capable of rolling hard for extended amount of time. They do roll. I will say they do roll harder than the pace that I usually keep in rolls. Um, and it probably has to do with they do a lot of five-minute rounds, and we do a lot of ten-minute rounds. Yeah. yeah. So did you notice that? Like I remember, like last night we were talking just about like how the experience was going, and you were talking about how you wanted to uncork a little better. Yeah. Did, uh, so you know, explain what you meant with this, and if it got better today. It did get better today. Usually, I just don't. Uh, I, I don't really get the chance, or I, I, maybe not the chance, but I just don't ever really just really let on the gas, and yeah. uh, I got the opportunity to do so because guys were, you know, they're about it, Yeah. And I had trouble doing it because I had. Because you weren't in the habit of doing yeah. it? Did you feel like you it wasn't a fair representation of what you were capable of, maybe the first training session yeah, or two? I, yeah, that's, I definitely feel as though that it, it wasn't fair to me to not do that. Yeah, it's I just, gotta. I have to get better about like telling myself it is okay to do that. Yes. Well, it's just hard. Yeah. It's just hard, and they they don't have that issue because they are 30, 25, 30 people deep, yeah. and they're all like very experienced, and it's kind of the culture of the gym. Um, but with us, we are trying to grow, and you're trying to invest into each other a lot uh, and stuff. And we have people that train as hobbyists. Uh, you know, and so you're not just smacking people all day long. Um, not that we don't train hard, because we do, and there's a time and place for it. But like you said, uh, once you get in the habit of being cordial, it's hard to like do a competition role in practice. Yeah. Yeah. But did, did it go better today though? Were you oh able yeah, to... definitely did. I felt a lot better doing it. Uh, it definitely helps that you know there are guys that I'm having a conversation that we did. Then, like, yeah. recognizing these guys are doing it to each other as well. So Yeah, and they're not going to get their feelings hurt or yeah. nothing. And our guys it's not don't, like I could have hurt their feelings anyway. So not, yeah, 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 yeah. Our, our guys don't get their feelings hurt either. It's just something about our culture is a little different. Yeah. We have a lot more mixed bag. We train 
like we have a lot of teenagers in our adults class we have a lot of ladies we have a lot of like just a mixed bag and uh also like we train a lot with each other so anytime you get familiar with people it's just easy to get in a rhythm yeah and i think a lot um another reason i had a lot to do with it was like up until this point i've been working on things so i get used to work being in the mode of working yeah. and thinking yeah instead of just doing doing the things that you know that i'm that are actually in my game like for example i don't i don't play clothes guard i don't even ever really smell clothes guard in a role yeah but for like the past month i've, I've been personally working on clothes guard trying to force it yeah but yeah. like i don't play i don't play clothes guard it didn't make me competitively better practicing clothes guard but it made me more savvy overall as a jiu-jitsu player right yeah being aware of things yeah yeah, and that's hard to come up here, especially, like... And the other thing about this room is they're a freaking big room. Like, like as in large Size people. people, yeah. Yeah, awesome. like, they're meaty bastards. Yes. Um, and that's the other thing is we train with a lot of people that are smaller than you. And so that's a thing constantly, too. When you're training with smaller guys, you're trying to be, like, playful a little bit. But then when you grab Cole, like, Cole yeah. is not small. Cole is not small. Cole is built like a refrigerator with a head. And... Uh, that dude, he's got a lot of potential. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool to come and do things like this. And you, you've got to do them before. I feel like this is a very extreme case because it's a lot of training in a short amount of time uh, and a lot of rounds with competitively experienced people. Like, I know that I go to a lot of gyms and very often... I'll get to roll with higher ranks, but I also end up rolling with their white belts. Yeah. And I rolled with white belts up here too, but for the most part, I'm grabbing purple belt and up, back to back to back to back to back to back, and it's just rare for me to do that on a daily basis. You know where our gym is at the current time. Um, I mean, it'll be nice in a couple years. Dude, like, in a couple years, that's exactly how it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah and when you look at purple belts. Like, yeah, like right now we have. I guarantee you. Okay, so, like, I, I've counted them recently. We have, like, 60 to 70 people that train moderately consistent. I wouldn't even say... I would say we probably have 40 to 50 adults that can train very consistent. Um, but we probably have 60 or almost 70 people that are in the gym monthly. And I bet out of the 70 people, like, if you counted every one of them, I bet we have 40 blue belts. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Or maybe not quite 40, but 30 blue belts and probably freaking 20 white belts. Like, it's a lot of, in, you know, just less experienced people. Um, but, you know, that was fun. I, I was telling David, I'm not sure if uh, I do, I drink more beer while I'm up here or if I have more rounds, like, of jiu-jitsu. It's real close. It's very close. <laughs> it's very close. competitive. I'm going to sit down and try to count them <laughs> uh, here in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying... Um, uh, was there anything else that was like that's a big takeaway from the experience that you've had while you've up here the past three days? Um, like a, oh, like moral of the story type stuff. Oh, I don't know about moral of the story. Um, I don't know. We were talking about how they get a lot of. Um, they don't really have a ton of time to drill, so they get in and do privates. Yeah. With uh, David or Bobby. Yeah. So like that's that's something that I really need to take advantage of. Yeah. It's hard to do that in a gym like ours, but and, but you see it paying off for them. Yeah. Yeah. When when they get so much attention from higher ranking people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've noticed that too, actually, to be honest with you. And not that I don't get it, because I get to meet up and, with Jason and do things. Yeah, but. and a lot of the things that 
are like huge takeaways for me like in the way I roll or the way other people roll it's not even things that come up in class necessarily it's a lot of the conversations that happen after yes so. yes uh, oh you mean like in our on a regular basis yeah, yeah yeah like I'll have that thing that I always talk about with the mopping and everybody says I'm just trying to trick people into mopping and it's a little bit that way too but <laughs> Honestly, like, if, if you're the guy who mops, you're, it's a good chance that you're there last. And if you're there last, you had more conversations and more time spent thinking and doing jiu-jitsu. And uh, that is, if you, one day isn't worth it. But if you do that over a year, if you're the last guy in the room for a whole year, you've got to think about how much more jiu-jitsu you did than the other people. Yeah. So, like, they're doing that kind of all the time because they're, you know, they got so many brown, like, you know, brown belts and up, uh, like, you know, Jezre and, and Chad. Like, I, one of my favorite roles when I come up here is Chad, and he, you know, could literally eat me you know, with a you know, fork and knife if he wanted to. But he's such a he's such an interesting role, and David is always... Per- Did you get to roll with David any? I, I didn't. He is perplexing. Like, I roll with David, and it's almost as if I didn't know what I thought I knew every time. It's always fun. 